I'm DB, a.k.a. Danielle Bezalow, and I'll be your host for the next six episodes of this podcast and beyond. Sex. Birth control. Bondage, domination, sadism, and masochism. Everyone took the condoms, blew them up in the hallway. Conversations about STI and safer sex did not happen. My first time I saw a condom, I was 20 years old. Never do anything that doesn't feel right to you. Otherwise, you're not consenting. I don't even know about a penis's anatomy. I want to be someone who talks more about it openly to degrossify it. So there we were, starting a sex ed club. <laughs> Welcome to Sex Ed with DB, an intersectional feminist podcast for folks who want to hear real stories from five Bay Area voices as we try to revolutionize the way we talk about sex. This is episode five. Got it. It's recording. <laughs> All right. Welcome, Ivy, to our uh, fifth episode, Gender and Sexuality on a Spectrum. Can you talk about the – you talked about this a little bit in episode one, um, but talking about the difference between gender and sexual orientation and have you ever heard of the gender-bred person? Sure, yeah. Can you, like, talk about what that is and kind of describe that image? Yeah. So basically, this is talking about sexual identity on three different levels. Remember, this is Ivy Chen, a sexuality professor at SF State who has been teaching sex ed in the Bay for over 20 years. There's biological sex, which is mainly going to be about actually a lot of different things. Genetics, um, hormones, genitals, the organs that we actually have. And based on those things, babies, when they're born, are often assigned a sex. So it's the assigned sex at birth. And typically it's going to be male or female, but there can be a whole lot in between. And what's in between is actually called intersex. According to experts, between 0.05% and 1.7% of the population is born with intersex traits. The upper estimate is similar to the number of redheaded people. And so then what happens is that as the kids get older, they often will have a pretty clear idea of how they want to express themselves, such as what they want to wear, how they want to do their hair, and what toys they like to play with, games that they like. And here's the thing, the way that they express themselves can be very fluid, like water, right? It can kind of flow back and forth between kind of typically more masculine types of interests or expressions and the more typically feminine. And so that's the level that we call gender expression or gender identity, where uh, often by three or four, right? They'll often say, I'm a boy or I'm a girl. Okay. And so, and, but there are kids who are in between, which, um, they, they might not necessarily want to claim either or, uh, or that they go back and forth or that they actually very, very clearly, uh, and, and they insist that despite having certain genitals, uh, or, or anatomy that they're in fact the other gender. And that's of course, transgender. And so now sexual orientation, is a third level, okay? And so sexual orientation, despite what some people think, is not just whom people have sex with. It's pretty complex. It's actually whom somebody is attracted to, whom they might fall in love with and want to have a romantic relationship with, as well as whom they might choose to have sex with. And so because of that, and, and very importantly, how they identify personally. And so because of that, you could actually have a kid who's just beginning puberty, who's not going to be having sex with anybody for a very long time, but they can still say, I know I'm straight, or I know I'm gay, or I don't know yet. (laughs) I'm still questioning. And that's okay too. And so I think that one of the biggest problems is that people get these levels confused, which is why on forums, you'll have um, somebody asking, what's your gender, male or female, when in fact, male, female, or intersex is actually in fact, a biological identity. Or sometimes people assume that uh, somebody who is male, 
who likes to wear um, maybe dresses, right, or makeup, uh, or likes the color pink, is gay, right? And I'm like, whoa, you just like took a big leap, right? You know, right. so you're you're taking something that's more of a, a gender expression or and identity, exactly, and then you're making an assumption about their sexual orientation, right? And so yeah, so in terms, so it's of like the, stereotyping. It really kind is, of. yeah, it really is. And so I mean, you know, especially since especially gender stuff um, is so arbitrary, right? So you might have known like pinks and blues, right? Especially with like Victoria's Secret and their pink line, right? That pink is now very much associated with the feminine, when in fact in the past any that was on the red spectrum including pink was thought of as more masculine that red you know and pink was thought of as a stronger color whereas blues you know which are associated with things like the ocean the moon nighttime things like that cool okay right that's associated with feminine and that somewhere along the way decades ago it flip-flops right yeah and so now it's just used for marketing right and it's not inherent or biological at all right you know that we glom onto these colors um you know especially with these um baby showers i was just gonna say that gender reveal parties it's like how do you know what your kid's gender is already if you can know the sex right but you cannot know the gender right because you know you have to wait for the kid to figure that out for themselves and tell you all right folks if you've never heard of a gender reveal party gender reveal parties happen when people want to share with friends and family whether they're having a boy or a girl. The reality is parents don't know the gender of the baby. That will be their baby's choice when they eventually learn all of the constructs we ascribe to gender. For example, if you think being a boy means that they'll like blue, they'll be masculine, they like trucks. Being a girl means pink and feminine, they like dresses. This is not great. This perpetuates stereotypes. Let your kid choose who they want to be and how they want to identify. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's weird, right? Especially when it's like pink or blue, right? So, but I I think that a lot of parents are socialized to believe, well, it's either or, right? When in fact, actually it exists on a spectrum. So a spectrum is a continuum. So there are steps and points all along the way, and somebody can reside in any of those points and or yeah, visit <laughs> different areas. And is that so, what yeah. gender fluid means? Yeah, yeah. So fluid basically means similar to a liquid. It can flow back and forth. And somebody's identity can, can flow back and forth. And sometimes actually for kids, they might play around, you know, with those expressions. And especially if, and quite honestly, it's, it's if their family and their school allows for that freedom. And uh, also their peers don't tease them for it, right? Mm. Because there's, um, there's, a pretty, there's a pretty big pressure to conform and to uh, just fit in and, and to not be bullied, right? And so therefore, if they actually get a lot of uh, negative reactions to their behavior, I mean, even if it's just literally for their own safety, right? You know, that they might feel like, well, I have to hide who I really am. And then there's a lot of shame that goes along with that. I mean, same thing with being in the closet about one's true sexual orientation as well. So much good stuff. Um, how do we have these conversations with young people? Like what are other tools that are useful in talking to youth about the three different kinds of categories that yeah. there are? Well, I actually think that kids and teens are, um, they don't have a hard time with this at all. I, I feel like that they see this in their own lives and in their own friendships and I almost feel like that it's their schools and, and families who have to catch up 
and to be much more inclusive in the way that they talk about identities and bodies and things like that. But I think that actually kids are real good with that, you know? So, I mean, the common thing that teachers do and they still do is to do boy girl, right? Like you have to sit boy girl or line up boy girl, okay? Cut that out. <laughs> Just stop it with the whole binary, like either or. And I, I think that if the schools take the lead and it's just normalized as a part of the school culture and a part of everyday kids' lives, they're just going to grow up as you know healthy uh, kids and adults. You know, with, with these ideas that that people can just be whatever they want. Great. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, gender and sexuality with dating apps. What's the deal? <laughs> Um, I don't know if you have any more thoughts about dating apps and the way in which we talk about, you know, gender and sexual orientation and, um, the way we present ourselves in mm -hmm. dating apps. Any new thoughts on that? Well, it's just that I feel like anything where you have to fill out a form, right, and identify yourself, it limits you, right? And so, I mean, what's kind of cool is a couple of years ago, Facebook actually had a bunch of different options with what you can ch check, right, as your gender identity or, or just come up with your own term, right? And so, you know, I mean, it's it can be very limiting if you're like, okay, so who are you into, men or women, right? And you're like, well, you know, and so, and the thing is it might work for most people, but it does. it's not gonna work for everybody, right? The most popular dating apps like Tinder, Match.com, and OkCupid don't necessarily cater to people who identify with living and breathing on the sexuality and gender spectrum. There is an app, however, called Wingmam, a dating app specifically designed for LGBTQ women. Sorry, guys. Here, you have a ton of options for everything from gender to orientation to relationship preference, from polyamorous to intersex to genderqueer to questioning. All the identifiers that other sites don't acknowledge are here. Um, you know, so the truth is that whenever people date somebody, so online dating, including dating apps, it's the second most common way that people meet a partner nowadays. The most common is still introduction through, um, some mutual acquaintance or a friend, <clears throat> dating friend of a friend. Right. And so in that case, I feel like that, um, then, it, you know, you get to meet them in real life and then you get to kind of clarify what it is that, that you want and how you identify so you said that when you teach kids about this or go over these topics with, with kids, they get it. Uh -huh. um, which part about gender and sexuality being on a spectrum like resonates the most with them, would you say? You know, I teach puberty a lot. And so especially when their bodies are going through these changes, these are biological things that are often driven by hormones. And in fact, it doesn't take a lot to be inclusive in talking about this. So for example, um, one of the things that I use in puberty classes, I still use the male and female symbols, right? The circle with the plus sign underneath for female. And so I say, you know, where this came from is actually the symbol for Venus. And so she's the goddess of love and beauty. And supposedly this is her handheld mirror, right? Cause she's beautiful. So she's going to look at herself and the male symbol with the arrow connected to a circle is his, um, it's the Mars's shield and spear. And so sometimes people would assume that that means girls just want to look pretty and guys want to fight and be violent. And I say, you know, I know that's the history of our symbol and we still use these symbols, but you can express yourself any way you want, right? And to allow your friends and other people to express themselves in any way that they choose rather than say, Oh, 
uh, you like to look at yourself in the mirror. What are you like acting like a girl, you know, or like, oh, you like to wrestle and fight. Now that's like acting like a boy. And so, I mean, even just saying, you know, these are the symbols, but feel free to express yourself in any way that you feel comfortable and also allow your friends to, you know, as well as uh, sometimes there are questions that I get about crushes when I'm teaching uh, even fifth or sixth grade classes. And that gives me the chance to be able to talk about crushing on not just somebody of the other gender, but maybe somebody of the same sex as well. So yeah. And so just to talk about as many different options as you can in your answer, because, you know, as a sex educator, you have a lot of power, right? To be able to kind of guide and normalize what they what they can talk about and think about. Right. And, yeah. And so if you, if you take the lead and you're talking about this in this real open, inclusive way, I think that, you know, causes them to think about it in that way too. Welcome back. Here we are. Here we are again. <laughs> we keep coming back for more. Can't get enough. Okay. Um, this episode on Sex Ed with DB is about gender and sexuality being on a spectrum. Um, and you, Aaron, out of all of the people in my life, um, really like live this truth and know this truth. And I admire the shit out of it. And I just want to hear your thoughts on like what gender means to you and the expression of that gender and maybe some definitions would be really helpful too yeah i i definitely agree i definitely think that these things are not fixed um i think that we like to think of things as fixed i think our society in general has an easier time with understanding things as absolute truths remember this is aaron steinfeld an educator and activist who teaches youth in Oakland about healthy relationships and how to prevent abusive ones. Um, and don't often leave room for people or ideas to change. Um, that being said, my understandings around my gender identity have changed a lot recently. Um, and with that, my gender expression has changed a lot recently. Um, I identify as a trans person, as a trans feminine person. Um, I am someone who was assigned male at birth, uh, and lived the vast majority of the first 22, 23 years of my life moving through the world as a boy, as a young man. Um, and in August of 2015 made the decision to start living my truth as a trans person with my transness changing my sexual orientation or understandings around my sexual orientation have changed. I am way less concerned with body parts than I ever used to be. Um, and understanding that people who identify as masculine people don't always have penises. Um, and that people who identify as feminine people like myself don't always have vaginas. Um, and I think the, there's a lot of, biological determinism um even in the trans community we have a lot of trans elders uh who believe that uh women have vaginas and if they are trans women they will get vaginas um that is not a part of my experience that is not how i think of things um but there is a lot of like what your bits are determine who you are um 
and I and I think I'm living proof that that doesn't exist, that that's false. There are so many people who for whom that is false. Um, and I think the more we shift culture around just making less assumptions about who people are and what people like and how people think of themselves, um, I think could do huge uh, things for queer and trans people. And can you talk about the differences between, um, you know, your gender identity maybe and your gender expression or are those two in this, like one in the same or about how that's shifted for you or the definitions about like gender and sexual orientation and sex? <clears throat> yeah, so we have sex, the biological thing. Um, we have sex, the act. We have gender... Gender is a hard thing to, I think, give a definition to. Um, it's one of those things that is we ask people to declare every time they fill out like a any official form. They have to check the M or F box. Um, California and Oregon, I believe, are states that are actually uh, like flagshipping uh, non-binary identities or third gender categories for people who are applying for driver's licenses. Um, like this is like happening as we speak in court cases right now. Um, for me, my gender identity feels fluid. Um, it does not feel fixed the way some people's gender identity feels fixed. Um, and gender identity, I think of that is how I think about myself, how I feel about my own sense of gender. Um, and then gender expression is how I show that to the world. Um, like in the past two years I've bought in like an uncountable number of lipstick colors right like I a lot of trans people go through medical transitioning to make more permanent physical alterations to their body so they're seen as who they want to be seen as uh, medical transitioning um, outside of facial hair removal is not something that I'm thinking about wanting to do um, and so a huge part of my gender identity and gender expression is makeup, earrings, dresses, heels, femme clothes, because I do have a body that people will assume um, belongs to a man. I have to dress it and adorn it with things to counteract that um, so that people don't assume wrongly about my gender. And I feel way better when I'm wearing clothes that I want to wear and wearing lipstick if I want to wear it and wearing earrings. That's not to say that every day I'm going to come out the house looking high femme, like fully painted. But I, I definitely think that in moments where we look at someone, we make a snap judgment about who they are, what they have between their legs, what bathroom they use, and... I think all of that deserves to be questioned more. Can you talk a little bit about drag culture and how that has influenced you? Yeah. So drag, I, I'm not a drag queen. I've never performed in drag. Um, I used to believe that all drag queens were cis gender gay men playing dress up. Um, and because of that, and because I always had this internal sense of, putting on a dress and heels and makeup for me was never dress up. Um, it was never a costume. Uh, I used to 
distanced myself greatly from drag culture because of what I thought that it was. Um, very recently, I've been reintroduced to it through friends. Um, and I am now unsurprised that there are many, many trans people in the drag community. Um, drag, I think, does a lot of good in the way of making assumptions around gender turn into question marks rather than statements. Um, I think that there's a lot of emotional vulnerability it takes to do any type of performance. Um, and I think for people who put on wigs and dresses and lashes and nails and heels and lip sync to a song, that is no different. I think that there's huge amounts of emotional vulnerability that go into that. Um, when I, you know, RuPaul, Drag Race, like the show, that is a huge institution right now in queer culture. Um, and there's more conversations about trans women being in drag happening on that show. I've seen um, the show take shift in some of its language practices um, to honor the transness, the womanhood of some of these queens. Um, I often think of, when I think of to myself, like, okay, what am I going to wear today? It's, I think, like, what drag do I want to put on today? Do I want to put on boy drag? Do I want to put on normal Aaron drag, which is, like, pants of femme top and lipstick and earrings do I want to like wear a wig out do I want to wear more makeup than usual like it's all to me is drag um every time I dress my body in anything it feels like drag to me because all of it is just playing with what body I was assigned at birth and how I feel about myself and what I want to have people see me as that day yeah. Amazing. When you interact with young people who maybe are going through the same journey and going on the same, you know, path as you, what is like advice or like maybe what do you wish you had known about gender and about sexuality being on a spectrum um, when you were that age? If I were, if, if I had learned that gender is not a fixed thing and doesn't exist in a binary the way we all think it does. Um, that would have like started to open my mind to these conversations at an earlier age. Granted the time between like me understanding that gender is not a binary and me coming out as trans, like there, there, there were some years there where I had that understanding um, and couldn't really like look inward with those understandings. Um, but I think like hearing more diversity of trans experiences would have been extremely helpful. I think that there's like general scripts around like if you're trans, you're gonna be on hormones, you're gonna change your name, you're gonna have surgeries, you're gonna change your pronouns, like you're gonna come out to your family, you're gonna come out to your friends, you're gonna come out to your partner, like all these things. There are things that like people are now being like, okay, like we get it kind of. And like, here are the things you're probably going through. Um, and, and not all trans people go through transness the same way, the way all cisgender people experience gender in a, in different ways. Um, I, again, th I think people think of cisgender people and transgender people as two categories and either you're trans 
and that means this, or you're cis, and that means that. Um, but I think, yeah, just hearing more about the diversity of experiences, the diversity of trans people coming out. Um, I think had I learned earlier that, like, so much of early mainstream activism around queer and trans issues was from trans women of color and trans femmes of color um, would have been huge for me in acknowledging the ways that racism has sort of co-opted the queer and trans justice movement. Um, and I think learning about, historically learning about third gender people who existed pre-colonization who were wiped out in order to have spiritual practices replaced with Christianity um, would have been huge for me to know that this, I'm not only am I not the only one thinking about this stuff or feeling this stuff, that there are people around the world who have been not only allowed to affirm their gender identity, but celebrated for their gender identity and celebrated for their gender diversity would have been a huge just like, oh, it you mean it's possible to live in a world where trans people like aren't being like reduced to body parts and violence all the time? Like, you know, having those earlier conceptions I think would have been really helpful. Yeah, you've hit on a lot of points about gender being on a spectrum. Um, and I think that it really is the same for sexual orientation. I think like it's so imp- like it's so stupid that people say like, Oh, you're just like experimenting. Like what if that's just like what, how you want to live your life and like what you are, who you are attracted to. And like, can you just can you rant about that? Yeah. And I think this like experimenting seen as a bad thing is comes from this like idea that someone having a fixed sense of self is better than someone in question. Um, I think that like, if someone's experimenting, that shouldn't be a bad thing. Like, oh, you're just experimenting is basically saying like, oh, you don't know yourself. Well, who in this world like isn't experimenting with something every day? Um, Taking a new route to work, going after a new job, starting school again, right? Like, Like so many things that we do in life is experimentation. And I think when we reduce queer and trans people down to oh, this is just a phase or, oh, you're just experimenting. We're taking all the validity out of those real feelings and those real experiences. Um, I think that the acronym LGBT does a lot of good, can do a lot of good, could have the effect of uniting a bunch of people under a common cause. I also think it does, it parses out who gets to call themselves lesbian, who gets to call themselves gay, who gets to call themselves bisexual, and that those people exist in three different camps. Um, and I think that there are way, there's way more um, fluidity there. There's way, it's way messier than people want to give it credit for. And people don't like messes because they're not given the skills to deal with those messes. Um, if we have a young queer person who is starting to come into their queerness and all they're being told is, oh, you're just experimenting or, oh, this is just a phase or, oh, you don't really know who you are. Oh, you don't really know what they want. That young person isn't going to be able to explore queerness in a safe way because they're not given any tools to handle the messiness that is, that comes from questioning one's identity. 
Um, when I was in seventh grade, I came out as gay. That was the first time I came out when I was, so seventh grade, no, I was, it was eighth grade. It was eighth grade. So I what, like 14. Then nine years later, I come out as trans at 23 and here I am at 25, like in love with someone who was assigned female at birth. And that in my wildest imagination was not going to be a part of my experience when I was thinking about who I was going to want to be with when I was in seventh grade and eighth grade. And so much torment came from like, Ooh, I don't like fit this heterosexual category. Ooh, I don't like fit this gay category. So like, where do I exist? Where do I find my people? Where do I find my language? Um, and I think the, the more we can like democratize that knowledge, the more we can, tell young people that whoever you are right now today is good, is fine, deserves love, deserves respect. Um, the more we give those young people and older folks who are coming out at older ages because they didn't have those languages at younger ages. Um, just like the ability to say, here I am, this is me. What is your gender that you identify with? Oh man, there's a really great meme. Have you seen it? It's like, uh, oh shit, what is it? It's something like, it's somebody's maybe asking like if I'm if somebody's a boy or a girl, and they're like, I forget. Hey, what's happening? It's what like meme? I, either they're saying it's like n like no to either, but everybody thinks I'm hot, so that makes everyone gay. <laughs> doesn't it's, matter it's, it's like this like anime like meme i'll find it it's hilarious okay remember this is pristine shin an educator and activist living in oakland can my gender be gay uh i i get i i do identify with i i, I do identify with being a woman and a woman woman uh definitely parts of it um i would definitely probably like the reason why i identify with being a woman is more about is kind of like or similar to my identity as a queer person or my identity as a person of color and it more so has to do with the identification of the understanding of oppression and uh experiencing life in a specific way because of uh the way that i am perceived or like certain advantages or disadvantages that i'm going to i don't have necessarily control over and so it's a it's more of like a camaraderie around that understanding and that like protectiveness and that whatever um sure but definitely don't like what whatever it would normatively mean to be a woman isn't necessarily i don't think there is any normal way to be anything mm. yeah and what about sexuality so you you identify as a queer person can you yes. explain what that means um it means i'm a real bendy. Um, it, mean, it means that I uh, don't... Like, like Gumby? When this. you said bendy, I thought of like Gumby bending in different shapes. Um, it means I don't identify with rules or with things that, I'm, that are ascribed. So like anything that's not straight in the sense that like I can have 
and I and I and I have had very queer experiences with penis wielders. And let me give you a funny situation. It's something that I was reflecting upon earlier. So I have certain uh like in certain party situations or certain things like i like in like hooking up or kissing like uh men masculine of centered men um lol uh and i i've recognized and like been reflecting on like i feel really powerful in those situations when you're when you're making out with men yeah um and i was reflecting on it earlier and i and it's because it's really gay like, like I, I present more, like I'm more like masculine of center, like, but because I've like, because technically like I'm a woman and technically like I have a vagina and technically they know that I identify that way. It's like safe and it's okay. Right. Like they wouldn't, they won't, they wouldn't kiss like a penis wielder, like naturally, but because technically I check these boxes, like it's chill and they're like into it. And Got I'm like, it. bro, like I, I look more like a boy than you do sometimes. And you're <laughs> into this right now. And so it's just like, like you're being kind of gay. So like, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Anyways, that's, that yeah, is that's funny. That is cool. Yeah. I mean, it, do you ever say that to them? And they're like, no, what? You're gay. And you're like, yeah, I am gay. No, I don't think I've said it to them, but I've definitely talked about it to like their partners. Anyways, it means that it's fluid and that it it there there are no rules and there. But I think it's 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 like an identification with uh, with fluidity. Got it. Whatever that means. And one last question: How do we teach the fact that gender and sexuality are very much on a spectrum? So another shout out to one of my lovely friends, uh, Miss Becca Friedland. Uh, science science teacher of the year uh so she had to teach sex ed at her school and had myself uh aaron and two other uh folks come for a like identity panel before she started sex ed to incorporate that into the the students understanding of what this means and trying to get a fuller picture of the fact that we're not just going to talk about like anatomy right now we're not just going to talk about penises and vaginas and all these things but understanding the all the different aspects of sexuality is starting off with that and like having them come up with questions and having them you know I think there was structure that she brought to it but it was real it was a conversation between like like the end questions that students were asking so I think that's a cool way Okay, so earlier uh, in the night tonight, you said that you were fluid, and this episode is about gender and sexuality on a spectrum. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about what fluid means to you? So fluid for me means that when it when it comes to relationships or just people that I um, that I am attracted to, it really depends on the person. Like, remember, this is Ingrid Ochoa, an undergraduate coordinator and health education lecturer at SF State. I don't say I'm bisexual because for me, the how I define by by saying I'm bisexual, I see it as like a political term, and and I'm so it's not. I know it's been looking at the the political aspect of LGBT community is important. I'm not gonna say that it's not, but me personally, I I, I never identified myself as that person. Like, oh yeah, fight the fight. You know, I, I do, but in my own way. But not where I'm, uh, you know, just I've just never really been like like this hardcore activist. And I appreciate people who are, but I don't see that as myself. Mm-hmm. So which is why and also too like the negative um, 
connotation that I would hear by saying that I'm bi and of like, I, you can't make up your mind or it's, um, a phase. it's a phase or like, um, and it's, and see, the thing is, it's not, you know, and also too, like, um, at least not for me, you know? And so, but I also don't like the binary. So I have this thing about, I don't, I really try to, um, challenge people who think in the binary. I don't like things, things are not black and white. Things are not male or female. You know, there's so many shades of gray and there are so many types of like how people identify. And so that's why I say I'm fluid because when I, I don't go by the sex of the person, I go by the person. Like when I meet somebody, there's always something I can find that, that I find that draws me to that person. And it could be maybe physical or just, or even personality wise, but that is what I hold on to. That is like my little carrot and that I like, I want to hold on to and nibble, you know, not bite or gentle unless they want me to, but anyway, but, but for, so, and I, and I know like you can go into terms and say, okay, I'm pansexual or, and I'm like, yes, okay. Theoretically, if you want to, if you want to name it, then yes, I'm pansexual. But I just like, the word fluid or even a sexual omnivore. And I like times I tend to use that as a description because it's like, it's true. Sexual omnivore, right? You need a little bit of everything. It doesn't matter. So it's like, it's kind of I like fun, that. I right? don't think I've heard that before. Really? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, so yeah. So that's kind of like why I say that. And it's, um, it's, it's the person. So yeah, that's why I kind of go with that. And Great. it feels more of me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of students um, or peers or people you know coming to you and saying, you know, I don't really identify only as a woman or I don't identify just as a man in terms of gender or for sexual orientation, I, I've i been attracted to a couple of women but maybe haven't slept with them mm -hmm. but, you know, generally sleep with men, you know. How do you talk with them about that process being okay and then their curiosity being all a part of the process of just figuring out who you are and how you identify I said it's okay to experiment that's what's that's what you have that's what you're you're in perfect time right now perfect place to do it I do talk about safety number one and before I even safety please safety 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 I'm like uh, I'm like I will give you fucking condoms I will give you lube I will talk to you about that but okay now aside from that then then we'll talk about like the good part you know but I go, exploration is important. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, I think that's what, because I, I always kind of bring back bring back that I was afraid. And I was afraid for many, for many years because I was afraid of what people thought. I was afraid of what people would think. That is what I was afraid of. And... And it was more of like, but, um, so that's why I said I was a late bloomer, but I don't make, I don't have any regrets. I learned what I didn't like and what I liked and had lots of bumps and bumps in the road, trials and, and sure tribulations. And still times where you're still learning. And I'm still learning. And, and journey. So, exactly. So then that's why I tell students like are feeling confused. And I'm like, it's okay to feel that way. Nothing is wrong with you. Nothing. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're wrong. It's like, you know, and it's like you need, I go find yourself and it's always going to be a journey. And that's the point. It's a journey. You won't know until the very end, not even to the end, because who knows after you die, what happens? You know, it's because I always say like, you shouldn't, I go, don't look back. And like, I go, you know, it's like people ask me like, are you afraid of death? I'm like, you know, actually I'm not afraid of death. And the reason why I'm not afraid of death is like, I live my life where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to regret the next day if I didn't get to do it. If I want to do it and I have the means to do it, I'm going to do it. What's the worst thing that can happen? I really do. And I really think that. And I always tell that to people like, 
really, if you want to do something, what's the worst? And if you're afraid to do it, I ask, what's the worst thing that can happen? Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. What's the worst case? And like, they'll be like, they'll think of something. And I'm like, okay, is it really that bad? Like, oh, actually, no. I'm like, okay, then what's stopping you? If it's not going to hurt someone, if it's not going to hurt you or put anybody in harm's way, then what's stopping you? Mm. You know, and when you think of it that way, kind of when you kind of put it in that perspective, it's like, oh, okay. And it's a also, good talk. It's, yeah, it's a good, like, yeah. I I'm like, inspired. You're good, you know. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. back again for episode five um how are you feeling on this podcast so far i love it yeah yeah i don't get that much time to talk to you usually (laughs) yeah this is like a long time to Mm -hmm. chat about these things remember this is rebecca levy my mother and an obgyn a mother of three who runs her own private practice in napa with over two thousand patients could you talk about like as a mom like how like if you ever thought like me or like Jacob or Dylan. Jacob and Dylan, by the way, are my brothers in case that wasn't clear. Like kind of identified like more on that spectrum with either gender or sexuality and like how you went about like educating us that like either that was okay or like maybe that's what this is like or like whatever. Well, unfortunately, I don't think we talked about it like voluntarily enough. But I, I kind of always felt like I was just following your guys' lead. That for me, it never was an issue like, oh, I hope this is what you do. Or I, I, I would be upset if this is what you do. And I have other parent friends who I know do feel that way. And I, and I would sometimes talk to them about it. Like, how could you feel badly just because that is what your kid is, you know? But... I always felt like I just took the lead from you guys that whoever your interest was or whatever you felt was okay for you, as long as you felt okay with it and it was safe for you and you, you know, I, I always felt like it was okay, whatever relationships. I don't think I ever, you know, except maybe one time that I felt maybe a relationship was unsafe for you and someone wasn't treating you right. I, I don't think I ever would pass judgment on who you were, chose to be with or what kind of. What about like gender presentation? Like I feel like I, you know, identified definitely as like a tomboy when Mm -hmm. I was like a kid and Mm -hmm. didn't like present masculine by any means. Like I still very much felt like I was a girl, but really enjoyed kind of like dressing in like boys clothes. And that was like more comfortable for me. And like, what was there any time where you were like, oh, maybe she's gay or like related those two things? Honestly, no. <laughs> I thought that wh- however you felt good about yourself, it was important to be supportive of that. So if you wanted to wear your ballerina costume one day, that was fine. And if you wanted to, you know, wear a baseball uniform the next day, that was fine too. I never really associated that with like, this is a big decision. You know, I just kind of felt that was all part of who, who you were. Yeah. But I did put you in a ballerina costume once in a while. Yes, you did. <laughs> we good have pictures. Good. Okay, mom. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, how do you think that we should be teaching the fact that gender and sexuality are on a spectrum, like in, you know, the same question about like in a classroom or in schools or like every day, like how do we make this the norm that like it is okay to like not 
you know, I didn't, you don't have to put yourself in a box. Like it can be fluid. You can be feeling a lot of different feelings, different presentations. I think there are ways to start the conversation. And I know one of the ways that we started a conversation at home, like when I wanted to talk to Dylan about it, was there have been some shows on TV not, not um, too long ago about children who identified as trans and the parents who were supportive of that. And they would do a whole, you know, interviews and documentary and everything. And I think that using that as like seeing this healthy family and that's, wow, that's a pretty, that's a norm, you know, that to have somebody at home watching that, I think that's really a, can be a jumping off point. Whereas I don't think you need to say to a classroom of kids, like, however fluidly you're feeling, it's kind of hard to wrap a group of people around that, but showing them this, how a supportive family identifying their kid as, you know, we're as somebody that they should help along their journey in life. And, and this can become a norm. If you look at it that way, I know that that stimulated a conversation where I would say to him, like, well, what do you think about that? You know, and just listen. And then that's your opportunity to, to either say, no, that's not the way things are. Or yeah, that, well, why would you think that there's something wrong with that? Or there's something wrong with that kid or they, you know, because out there, what they're hearing is not kindness and not that that's the norm and not, you know, think people should be supportive of that. You know, there, I've read a lot about that kind of situation, you know, where, where the parents are being supported and supportive and that's great. And then when you look at people's comments, they still, they don't get it. You know, adults don't get it. So how are their kids going to get it? You mm -hmm. have to place those kids in a place where the people around them, the people teaching them, the people supporting them get it. And last question on this topic. Do you think as a doctor, it is really important to learn these like new definitions, up and coming definitions of the difference between, you know, biological like you, I'm sure you know this already but just like talking about it to people like what's the difference between gender and biological sex and sexual orientation and all of those like what's the difference between being romantically like in love with someone and attracted to someone or like all, all the different types of ways of identifying I think that you have to present it as this is what we know you know I, I you, you can't present it as someone's opinion you know what I mean? Like that the, the spectrum exists. It's not, you know, someone will still say, well, they chose that. And that's the, they chose, that's a lifestyle or something like that. That terminology has to go away. And I think it has to be, things have to be presented just like other knowledge is presented. Here's what we know about sexuality. Here's what we know about the spectrum of attraction and things like that. And I think once it's presented that way, it's a lot harder to negate or to say, well, in my opinion, that doesn't exist. Because, you know, it's like when you present something that's a fact, like math, someone can't say, well, well geometry, that doesn't exist. You know, it depends on how you present it. So, but I, I do think it's a hard road because listening to the way people think about that kind of stuff yeah, as much as you're around people that understand and accept it. Th well, no, there's, there's still a lot of people who I'm around who don't get yeah. it. And it's hard. It's hard to educate those people without seeming like, you know, 
I know everything and you don't know anything. You know, there's a way to bring it to people that it seems that this is just the way it is. I didn't make it up. Thanks for listening to Sex Ed with DB. If you want to engage with more of our sex ed content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and check us out on our website, sexedwithdb.tumblr.com. We would love to hear from you. Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com for questions, comments, and suggestions for our episodes to come. How does your gender and sexuality exist on a spectrum? Email your thoughts to us and we can shout them out in season two. Our creator, host, and producer is Danielle Bezalow, a.k.a. DB. Our content writers and editors are Danielle Bezalow, Aaron Steinfeld, and Rachel Upton. Our graphic illustrator is Jessica Lynn. Our social media and marketing lead is Kat Lestufka. Our sound editor for this episode is Matt Rosen. The title of our intro music is So Low by Art of Escapism, and our outro music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you to our featured voices and our listeners. Tune in next time.